Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. This morning, we're going to hear the voice of the Lord in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a very, very familiar verse. Jesus is speaking, and he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Must Seek the Kingdom of God and His Righteousness. Pray with me. God, thank you for this commandment. Thank you for this reality, God. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray as we look to your word now that you'd be our teacher by your spirit, God. I ask you to anoint my mouth and my mind, strengthen my body, that I would say the things that would honor you and be sound doctrine. God, I pray for every person in this room now, God, we've come from different places, God, with, with different obstacles and, and different challenges in our lives. God, I pray, Lord, that you would show yourself faithful and able today. Do your work your way. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I almost forgot I meant to say this during the announcements. Let me get it out of my way because I've got people asking um, about my situation. I was in a car wreck um, in June, and it complicated some things with my back and my neck. I had a DTI, which you got to be a doctor to know what a DTI is. It's a brain scan uh, combined with a, an MRI machine. But anyway, so I get the results for that sometime this week. Um, they're checking for a brain injury. Um, there, there's a good joke going on right there. You can say, well, we know he has a brain injury. <laughs> That's funny. That's a little church humor. The Bible, the Bible says laughter does the heart good like a medicine. Uh, if you ever want to feel better, learn how to make your face smile. Laugh sometimes, lighten up, but uh, continue to pray for me as I go through um, all, all of these tests and prodding and procedure. But right now, we want to focus back on what the Word of the Lord has to say. Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 6. He's in the middle of his great sermon, the Sermon on the Mountain, and if you really want to get a, a real, if you, this is like the vitamin B12 shot. I don't know, anybody ever had a vitamin B12 shot? If you just really want that booster, if you really want to get juiced up on your excitement level for God, you ought to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you just got time to read in one place, reading inside Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is, is like a giant boost of energy. And we see here in chapter 6, at the end of chapter 6, Jesus just to set some context for you, he's been telling people, listen, you're worrying about normal stuff. And that's what we have to do because there's normal stuff that we have needs for. He said, you're, you're worrying about how you're going to eat, how, how you're going to be clothed, where you're going to live. Listen, we got to keep the, the rent paid. We got to keep the lights on. We got to have food. All those things are natural. But sadly, they occupy a lot of our time. If you could have God set a Holy Ghost stopwatch on your life and just click it for different areas of your time, boom, amount of time spent in prayer, boom, amount of time spent this week in Bible study, boom, amount of time spent this week sharing your faith, boom, amount of time spent praising and worshiping God, boom, amount of time spent serving God, boom, amount of time spent loving Him and loving others. Boom. Amount of time spent worrying about natural stuff. Boom. Amount of time spent worrying about yourself. Boom. You see, these minutes, these seconds would add up to minutes and would add up to hours. And because the Lord knows that we are going to concern ourselves with natural things, he brings this great teaching in this verse, Matthew 6, He says, look, all that stuff natural. I want you to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. Say first. Oh, if I had a first-o-meter, I'd just bring it hanging around Joyce's neck and just see what it registered. What is 
first in your life. I can tell you right now, just based on your gender, and yes, there's only two genders. You're either here, you're, you're either male or female. Uh, that's just the reality, regardless of what pop culture says. But I can tell you what the majority of women think first, and I can tell you what the majority of men think first. Not my opinion, but decades-long research, sociological research, uh, human research that tells us women primarily concentrate on their family and their personal relationships. This is what brings women joy. This is what brings women validation. This is where they get their sense of self-worth is through the relationships they have with their friends and with their family. So the average woman spends more time thinking about her friends and family than she does anything else. The average man spends more time thinking about his job and his hobbies more than anything else. The place the man gets his validation, the man gets his joy, his sense of self-worth is through his accomplishments in his career field and his prowess in his hobbies. So if you're here and you're a woman, I hope you know that you're a woman, but that's a different message for a different time. If you're a woman, you've got to watch out that you don't spend more time thinking about your family and your friends, your personal relationships, than you do your relationship with God. Does that make sense to you? If you're a man, you need to make sure that you don't spend more time at the job. Now, do you know why most men are workaholics? Not Wednesday night, so we're not going to talk openly about it. Many men that are workaholics are workaholics because it's easier to stay at the job than it is to go home and help out with the home. Anybody honest enough to admit that? Oh, men don't want to tell the truth in church. But if you're a man, you've got to take note that you don't spend more time focusing on your job or your hobbies than you do focusing on God and his kingdom. Because as we see in our text this morning, Jesus does not suggest to us, he doesn't give us a good opinion, he commands us to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. Say first. Mm. It's hard to keep the main thing the main thing. In a world where everything is just bombarding you, all of your physical senses, for your attention, it can be hard to keep the main thing the main thing. But I want to tell you something. If you will learn to discipline your life to where you start your day with God, you keep God in your day, and you finish your day with God, you will find it easier to obey what God has called you to do. One of the tenets of Orthodox Judaism, which is not what we are, we're not Jewish, but we, we have a Jewish God who came in the flesh as a Jewish man and gave us a Jewish book written by Jews and included us uh, in, in that promise of salvation. One of the tenets of basic Judaism is you have to pray three times a day. We see this in the Bible in the life of Daniel. Daniel had three different times of the day, the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. Now, I've been preaching the gospel for a long time, and I know it's hard to get people to have one time alone with God a day. We call it a quiet time, an appointment with God where you spend time thinking about God, talking to God through prayer, listening to God through the Word, and worshiping God through song and through meditation. I don't know if you're doing that one time a day, but if you are, you could do it two times a day. Some people do it all day long. There was a man, and please remember, if I mention someone's name, if I give a quote that someone else wrote, if I reference a commentator that I read behind, that doesn't mean I wholesale agree with everything they say. I don't agree with anybody about everything they think. If you're looking for someone, if you're like, well, I can't go to church with them people because I don't think I believe everything they believe. Uh, you don't believe the same way anybody believes about everything. There's differences in life. So I'm not saying that every, uh, this, this man was the end-all, be-all, but he did great exploits in the kingdom of God, a man named Smith Wigglesworth. And when I read that Smith Wigglesworth said that there had, he didn't 
believe there was ever a time where he had spent 30 minutes continuously in prayer. I thought, what kind of jackleg preacher is this? What kind of no praying man is this? This man's supposed to have, have wrought miracles and, and been a man. He never prayed for 30 minutes. He ought to try showing up on the first Sunday night of the month at Abundant Life. We pray for an hour every first Sunday night. And I thought, hmm, that, that, that sounds weird. But in the next sentence, he, he topped it off. He said, but I cannot remember a time since my salvation that I've gone more than 30 minutes without saying something to God. Ah, you missed it. You'll catch up to it. God will remind you of it one night when you're eating pizza. If you will keep God active in your life throughout the day, you will find God being more active in your life. Jesus commands us to seek the kingdom of God first. But do we know what the kingdom of God is? Now, if I went row by row, if I came over here and I started with Nancy, and I said, stand up, look at the crowd. Now, it'd be funny. Because here's what's wild. This comes in number one every time in every survey. What are people in the United States most scared of? Public speaking. I'm thinking, really? How can that be? But, I mean, I'm not in everybody's head, but that's what comes in first. But if I, if I, told, if I started over here with Nancy, I said, stand up, look at the crowd, and tell everybody exactly what the kingdom of God is. And then she gave her speech. And then Eric gave his speech. And then Deacon West gave his speech. J.J. gave his speech. We went right on down the line. When it came to you, what would you tell all these Bible students in this room, all these followers of Jesus Christ, all, all, all these high and lofty disciples, what would you tell them the kingdom of God is? If you can't say amen, say ouch. Because everybody wouldn't have an answer, and everybody that did have an answer wouldn't have a biblical answer. We've been commanded to study the Word of God. We're going to get into it this morning. We need to know what the kingdom of God is. I'll, I'll start by saying it's other than. If you've been around Abundant Life, you've been around me any length of time, you've heard one of my favorite descriptions of God and Jesus. The ancients, the old Orthodox theologians called Jesus holy other. And I just love that description because it's when you recognize him as holy other when you recognize him as completely different and better than everyone you've ever met then you can really begin to walk in fellowship with him see a lot of people won't walk in fellowship with God closely because they've been hurt by a human but if you know he's holy other then you understand he's not going to do me the way somebody else did me a lot of people don't walk in close fellowship with God because they've been let down by an organization, but if you realize he's holy other, then you can truly begin to walk in closeness with him. One, one of the things Jesus said about his kingdom in John 18, 36, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. So here's the reality. If the only outlook you have is worldly, then you're not going to be a kingdom person. You're not going to be able to put the kingdom of God first. You're not going to understand the kingdom. And even if you are saved, but you are prone to rely on your intellect, then you're going to have trouble with kingdom. Listen, smart academic people, studious people, people that want rationale, logic, and reasoning for everything, never typically grow deep in the things of God because they're always trying to figure everything out. And Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. You cannot use earthly rationale to figure out the things of God. And that's why I've been telling you for years, if you can't figure it out, you got to what? Faith it out. There are some things we just receive by faith. There are some things we just have to accept that God said it and I believe it. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, the Bible teaches us that there are two major branches of wisdom. There's an earthly wisdom that is earthy, the Bible says, and there is a heavenly wisdom that is spiritual. And it takes heavenly wisdom to understand the kingdom of God. So if you're here and you're not yet saved, before you'll ever understand kingdom stuff, you're going to have to get saved. Does that sound like the right 
method for anybody. Get saved first. So many, there are people who are unsaved that are in church trying to learn new stuff about God. But you got to stop trying to put the cart before the horse. If you're unsaved, get saved, and then you can enter into the spirit realm where God teaches kingdom because Jesus has plainly told us that his kingdom is not of this world. Now, talking about kingdom of God, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a repetitive phrase in the Bible. It's found roughly depending on which version you're looking at 68 times in the New Testament. That's a lot. 68 times we see the word kingdom of God. Now, the, the, there's another phrase that goes along with it, kingdom of heaven. So you've got this kingdom of God and this kingdom of heaven. If this was Wednesday night Bible study, I would be setting you up right now. Because Wednesday night Bible study is interactive, open discussion, dialogue format. And I would ask some really intelligent uh, Bible student to tell us, what is the primary and major difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? And then someone would raise their hand, and I would let them ramble until I would think enough was enough. And I would let them know, it's usually the same thing. They, these are interchangeable phrases and the king so much are they interchangeable that the only time you ever see the kingdom of God referred to as the kingdom of heaven is inside Matthew's writing and there there's a very good reason why Matthew chooses to call the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven he's talking about the kingdom of God but he won't refer to it as the kingdom of God because Matthew was a Jewish person when we studied the gospels we've seen each writer had a specific, distinct writing approach and target audience. Matthew was a Jew writing primarily to Jewish people. That's why there are more Old Testament quotes in Matthew than the other three Gospels combined. The only time you see the phrase kingdom of heaven is in Matthew because Jews did not believe in speaking the name of God, they would speak the place of God or the characteristic of God so as to not say his name. So he would say kingdom of heaven because they didn't want to make common the name of God. All that long-windedness to, to bring you back to this point, what's the big difference between kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven? It's not Wednesday night, but somebody tell us. It's primarily the same. It's, it's just a, a different way of saying the same thing. So, more times than not, these phrases are interchangeable. I'll give you an example of that. In Luke 7, 28, look on the screen. For I say unto you, this is Jesus talking, among those that are born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So, Jesus is talking about how great John the Baptist is. He said, best going. Best, best guy on two feet, not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that's least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. We are not going to become better than better prophets than John the Baptist because Jesus already said among those who are born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But then Jesus is trying to get them to understand there's kingdom, there's beyond the normal. There's beyond this world. There's beyond the natural. And Jesus said, he that's least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now, in Matthew, Matthew's telling the same story that Luke was telling. Matthew's talking about the same time in the life of Jesus. In Matthew 11, 11, Jesus said, verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there have not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. In Luke, we see kingdom of God because that's the primary phrase. That is what Jesus taught. But because of Matthew's predisposition to not offend Jewish readers, he said kingdom of heaven. Are we caught up to the point where we all see the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same thing? Do like this if, if you follow me. If not, I'm going to ride it for another 25 minutes and we'll be here till dark. Okay, we got it? Look at somebody and say, we got it. So I want us as individuals to embrace this kingdom mindset. I want us as individuals to understand 
that we are commanded to seek the kingdom of God first. Now, you need to pay attention to priorities because when somebody tells you to do this first, you need to understand that because if you don't do it first, you might not be able to do anything second. I'm right up here, guys. We pay attention this way. We'll get done faster. Jesus said to do this first. Say first. So if, you do, if you're not doing this first, then you've got your life out of balance. And you're not going to be able to be all and do all that God has purposed for you to be. So I want us as individuals to learn about kingdom and living on a kingdom level, not on a natural level because Jesus said my kingdom's not of this world. But I also want us corporately as a church to think on a kingdom level and not just a church level. I've told you for years that if you do church without Jesus, you are shortchanging yourself. Church without Jesus will just clutter your calendar. Church without Jesus uh, might just put you around some people that talk bad about you behind your back. Church without Jesus will get to become boring and predictable. But if you learn to value kingdom at every stage of your life, then life can take on a new meaning. See, be, being, being in church is not always exciting. Uh, but being in God's kingdom is always exciting. Working for your church is not always satisfying. Sometimes it's just perfunctory. But working in God's kingdom is always exciting. Church people aren't always godly. But people who are living in God's kingdom understand who God is. Uh, they, they, they live on a different level. We've got to learn how to transition from the natural to the spiritual. Because the sad reality is too much of what's going on at every church in America, every, most churches around the world, this church in particular, your life, my life, too much of what we are involved in is natural and not supernatural. Everything that is done inside a church can be done with no regard to God at all. Preaching can be preached in, in, the, in the flesh and not in the spirit. Deacon, deacons can deek, ushers can ush, singers can sing, musicians can play, church folk can sit in a chair, all of that without ever truly being spiritual at all. And I want you to learn how to transition from just being a part of this world to seeking God's kingdom first. If, if you were honest with yourself just for a moment, think about it, don't say anything out loud, but just think about in your day-to-day -day life, how often do you recognize the supernatural in your day-to-day -day life? How often do you see something that only God could do? Think about it. Now, for some people, if I said, I want you to stand up and share with us the last thing that happened in your life that is so supernatural it had to be holy God that did it because a human being couldn't have possibly done it. Some people would have a right ready response. Some people would have to think for a while. Some people would say, quit playing these games and just get on with it. But I want you to start seeing God at work. And that's why I've told you for years, start recognizing God in everything every day. I'll give you an example real quick before we move on. What is something that is so amazingly miraculous that only God could do it? I'll give you one. Brought the sun up this morning. He, he kept the oceans back this morning. Don't you know the Bible said he, he drew a line of separation between the dry land and, and the waters, and he set a boundary that said you can only come so far? Do, do you realize why California hadn't broke off into the ocean yet and why Florida is not submerged? Because lots of places in Florida, if you haven't figured it out, are below sea level. But God drew a boundary to let the waters only come so far. you got to start seeing the miraculous in what others call the mundane. If you got here today and you didn't get in a car wreck, you ought to give God praise for that because you had to drive on 103rd Street at some level. Some of you had to hit Blanding. Um, and y'all know my story. I was sitting at a red light parked still 
on Blanding Boulevard when a lady behind me, and she told the police officer this, my water bottle fell on the floorboard and I was reaching down for it and I guess I didn't realize the light had turned red when she slammed into the back of me. Uh, well, that could happen any day of your life. You need to start seeing God in everything because I want us, and we're going to spend some time, hopefully, God's going to allow us to spend some time. I'm determined to say whatever God wants me to say. But if God will give me opportunity over the next couple of weeks, we're going to spend some time developing this concept of kingdom living, developing this concept of what it is to seek first the kingdom of God. Because I know as Christians, if we don't learn to keep the main thing the main thing, Days are going to turn into weeks. Weeks are going to turn into months. Months are going to turn into years. Years are going to turn into decades. And we're all going to get older and older and older. And then we'll sit and we'll look back and say, where'd the time go? Well, it, it went one second at a time. And life is passing us by. And we've got to learn how to do these things that God has called us to do. So let's talk about kingdom for a little bit. Throughout the scriptures, there, the kingdom of heaven is spoken about and taught to us as a dual concept, say two. The, the kingdom of God is a duality. There's two very real things going on at the same time when we learn about the kingdom. Now, Jesus said, the first thing you need to seek is the kingdom of God. Now, think about what the first thing you seek in the morning Anybody just want to scream it out? Coffee. The bathroom. Now, see, I don't drink coffee. I've never drank a cup of coffee in my life, and I've never smoked cigarettes. Not because I'm holy. Not, not because I'm, obviously, I don't care about, uh, you know, uh, health nut food and, and, and anti-caffeine or cigarettes for that reason. I don't, I've never smoked Cigarettes, I never drank a cup of coffee in my entire life. And the reason why, and some of you know why, is because when I used to be a little kid eating my breakfast, eating my cereal at the table, I would hear my mom get up and my mom, hair going in every direction, nightgown on, walking past us uh, at the kitchen table, wiping the junk out of her eyes, lighting a cigarette with her eyes closed, feeling her way to the coffee pot so she could have coffee and a cigarette. And I just determined as a child, anything you do before you pee in the morning, if that's so addictive, you got to get to that before you hit the back. Because she would leave, she would take her coffee and her cigarette, and I think she was so talented, she'd smoke and drink at the same time, inhale coffee and smoke at the same time, and go to the bathroom. I'm thinking, man, if it's got that kind of hold on you, I'm, I'm just, no. That's just, just not going to be for me. But the first thing that we should learn to do, now remember, Jesus called us to be his disciples. Not just followers, not just Christians, but disciples. And the root word of disciple is what, church? It's discipline. If you will learn how to start your day with God then you can start living this kingdom-style life. If you will learn how to, I, I love what Charles Stanley said. Now, if most people said it, I think they were fudging, but I kind of believe what he said because uh, the guy has, he's just got a, an, an enormous wealth of knowledge about God. And he said before his feet, he has disciplined his life to before his feet touch the ground in the morning getting out of bed, he begins with prayer. Speaking to God, thanking God for the day, he, puts, he, he goes through and puts on the whole armor of God. But I want you to do this. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Try to talk to God before you get out of bed in the morning. Try to spend some time talking to God throughout your day. And try to talk to God at night before you fall asleep. I promise you, if you get God involved in more of your day, you're going to be more involved in the kingdom. But there's this... There's this dual reality of the kingdom of heaven. It's two things. It's a present reality and it's a future hope. When you read about the kingdom of God in the Bible, I want you to understand it's two things. It's a duality. 
It is a present reality. It's right now. It's right here, right now. But it's also a future hope. Now, sadly, most people, when they think about the kingdom of heaven, they're only thinking about in the future. They're thinking about one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. And let me say something to everybody who wants to get out of this life desperately. If you want out of this life desperately, make sure it's because you're so in love with Jesus and not because you're so miserable in your situation. The majority of people that I counsel that desperately long for Jesus, I just wish Jesus would hurry up and come back, it's not because they're so in love with him. It's because they're so sick and tired of being sick and tired. Can somebody say amen? Now, most people, the kingdom of heaven only serves as a one thing, when in the Bible it serves as two things. It's not just that future hope. Uh, the present reality is that you should be living kingdom now. The future hope is, is when the kingdom of God will be realized upon the ultimate appearance of the Messiah. Now, the kingdom concept, the present reality concept, is, was spoken of by John the Baptist in Matthew 12, 28. Listen to this verse. He said, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So the kingdom of God can be now, say now. But let me ask you this. Is God really that involved in your life on a day-to-day -day basis? Now, it's easy to, to nod our heads and say yes, but of a truth. I mean, when you're making a ham sandwich on white bread with mayonnaise, kick it up a notch. Throw a little salt and pepper on that beast. It'll change your world. But when you're making a ham sandwich, is God really involved in that? He can be. When you're driving down the road, is God really involved in that? He can be. When you're sitting in your car or your easy chair, is God involved in that? He can be because the kingdom of God can be now. Say now. Uh, con concerning this kingdom, Jesus said uh, in Luke 17, 21, Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God, look at this, is within you. So where is the kingdom of God? It's inside you. But it's not always coming out of you. And we got to learn how to seek it first. It's available. You possess it. But we don't always operate in it. And we've got to learn how to do a better job of putting the first things first. God has already told us what to put first. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Not all these other things that tie up your time. Well, pastor, we live in a real world and we have to do worldly. Sure we do. We, we've got to get in the car and crank the car. We've got, we've got to drive down the road. We've got to go to work. We've got to buy groceries. We've got a, a lot of natural things to do. But God can be involved in every area of your life. Hear me good. If you recognize him. If you recognize him. And we're going to talk a lot about that over the coming weeks. The, 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 uh, the mandate to recognize him in our day-to-day -day activity. Now, kingdom teaching was at the heart of everything Jesus talked about. If you study the Gospels, you'll hear Jesus talk about it a lot. I'll give you a couple examples. Mark 1.14 says, Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching what? The, king, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus preached about the kingdom of God. It was the heart of his entire teaching. In Matthew 4.17, the Bible says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, we're commanded, as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The heart of Jesus preaching was the kingdom of God. The heart of John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest preacher, was the kingdom of God. And we need to have a kingdom of God mentality. We need to seek the kingdom first, but we got to understand what it is. Because if I said, go over to the fellowship hall and grab me a piece of the kingdom of God and bring it back over here. Could you find it over there? Well, you could find it over there if you knew what you were looking for. But most people wouldn't know how to access it or know what they're looking for. And that's why we come to church. What does the Bible say? How, 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 how can I know unless someone teach me? Do you know everything that you ever uh, learned, you learned from somebody? And you need to make sure that you are always learning. 
Too many times people in church think, well, oh, I've already heard all the sermons. I, I know the story. Uh, but you need to try to learn something about God all the time so you can make sure that you're growing in him. Because when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. Too many people in church today are living off last year's revelation. They're living off 10 years ago when they used to be a teacher, deacon, worship leader, uh, choir member, all the eustas they did. We've got to get God first in our life, and we've got to get to understanding how to seek this kingdom because you've got to know what it is. First thing, I want, here's a definition for the kingdom of God. A place where God is ruling. Look on the screen. I put all this in the notes so you could see it. You can write this down. You can think about it. You can listen to it on a mobile app. Uh, meditate on it. Get this in your mind so it can sink deep into your spirit. The kingdom of God is a place where God is ruling. And then I put some definitions up there. A kingdom is a place that is ruled by a king. Simple. Webster's Dictionary says the territory or, or country subject to a king. The American Heritage Dictionary said a realm or sphere, and I love this, in which one thing is dominant. In which one thing is dominant. Now, I can tell you, I'll pick on Elder Jimmy because he can take it, and uh, we can make good example from there. In his sphere, in his realm, when you talk about baseball, he immediately enters in to not the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of the the cubby, the Chicago Cubs for the rest of us, the cubbies for true cub nuts, okay? So you get to choose many times what kingdom you are positioning yourself in. If you get to talking to a grandmother about her grandchildren, she enters almost immediately into the kingdom of her family, and the kingdom is a realm or a sphere in which one thing is dominant. Here's what I want you to do right now, later today, tonight, this week, this month, the rest of your life. I want you to figure out what sphere you're living in. I want you to figure out what you're seeking most. I want you to figure out what occupies the dominant thought in your mind. For some people, it, it, it's family, jobs, hobbies. We talked about that. Some people, it's politics. Some people, it's work. Some people, it's bills. We all have mental images of people in our life. People stand out to you. When you think about your grandparents, uh, I remember, if I think about my grandfather, the image I have in my mind of my grandfather is leaning out on the fence on the side of his front yard looking at his cattle. The majority of the conversations I have with my grandfather revolved around farming and around cattle. So that's the mental image I have. When I think about my mom growing up as a child, the mental image that pops to my mind of my mother as a child is her sitting at the kitchen table, the breakfast table, with bills just spread out everywhere. And so I can tell you, during that phase in my mother's life as a single mother, the one thing that was dominant in, in her mind a lot was bills. And there are people that live on that realm today. Uh, for my grandfather, it was his job, his cattle, his land. But a, a kingdom is a, a place in which one thing is dominant. I want you to figure out what's dominating your thoughts. I want you to figure out what's dominating uh, the mental activity that you go through from day to day because that is what the kingdom of God is. It's, it's, a, it's a place where God is ruling. The kingdom, though, is not so much a place to find. I don't want you to think of it as a place to find, but a life to live out. Kingdom living, say living. you got to understand when you search for the kingdom, it's so that it can be lived and not just talked about. Because we all know that you can talk about it or you can what? Be about it. And life is better when you're being about it than just talking about it. Our, our journey is not to get to the kingdom as Christians. Our journey is inside the kingdom. And you get the opportunity, hear me good, you can establish the kingdom of God wherever you are. 
on your job, you can establish the kingdom of God by uh, allowing God to rule your life on your job. In your relationships, you can establish the kingdom of God by allowing God to be the dominant thing in your relationship. Most people that have done any type of counseling, relationship counseling, dating counseling, pre-marriage counseling, marital counseling, have at some point seen that triangle where if you're here and they're there and you're both growing closer to God, the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. And that is a simplistic form of how a relationship should be built, but it's not often lived out. The thing that is dominant in most people's relationships is not God. Think about your different friends. Think about the people you talk to throughout the week. You, you talk to uh, your, your buddies, your friends. What is the dominant thing that you talk about? If it's not God, then you're not establishing the kingdom of God in that relationship because the kingdom of God, God and his son Jesus Christ, are not that one thing that is dominant. So the kingdom of God is where the authority of God rules in the hearts of people. You can make it your car. The kingdom of God can be in your car if God is ruling your heart there, if God is dominant in your car. Now, if it's so funny. Listen, you don't have to turn your country music down, blaring it when you drive into the parking lot. Everybody knows you listen to country music. You look like you listen to country music. You don't have to turn down your boom, 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 boom. Uh, everybody hears you at the red light uh, with R. Kelly just booming out of the box. You look like you listen to R. Kelly. Or you can fool everybody, flip the switch on everybody, and you can let your car be a place and your radio be a place where God is ruling and get on some God music. Amen? Some of y'all don't want to live in this reality, but I'm going to tell you the truth anyhow uh, because the truth is the truth anyhow. So if I ask you the question, are you walking in God's kingdom? Are you seeking God's kingdom first? You can only factually say yes if your life is a place where God is ruling. Your life is a place where God is dominant. But not only is the kingdom a place where God is ruling, secondly, the kingdom of God is a place where God is at work. God wants to be at work in your life. God wants to be at work in your relationships. God wants to be at work in your finances. God wants to be at work in your speech. God wants to be at work in your activity. And you ought to want to be where he is. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. The kingdom is a present reality but only in as much as it is a place where God is ruling and a place where God is at work. Some of us been around for long enough, we remember the song, and you ought to want to live out the, the words to the song that says, and he walks with me, and he talks with me. You ought to want to live in a place where God is very present all the time, but God refuses to be present in a subordinate role. God refuses to be present uh, subject to any other thing than his own greatness. God is only present where he is ruling and where he is working and where he is being established as the dominant thing. So the kingdom of God is where God is active. Say, God, say active. I, I, I love the, the book Experiencing God. If you haven't been through the long workbook, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, that's a great way to get to know God. I, I would encourage you, go through that workbook. It'll bless you. If you've been through it, go through it again. But the primary uh, teaching that Henry Blackaby talks about is to find out where God is working and join in. Too many people try to do their, their thing and tag God along. God's not a tag along. God, too many people try to make God a side dish in their life. God will only be the main course in your life. God is not looking to be a little bit of salt and a little bit of ketchup that you add to your thing. That's why so many people wonder why God's not blessing their life. I'll remind you again what I've told you so many times. God's not going to bless your mess. God's not so desperate for something to do that he's going to join you in your foolishness. Find out where God is working and get involved in 
what God is doing. Now, if God is ruling in your life and God is working in your life, then you are establishing the kingdom. You are seeking the kingdom. You're walking in the kingdom and you're living it out. And that's what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to seek that first. So here's my punchline. If you want to walk in God's kingdom, you need to do two things. Bow and yield. You need to bow and you need to yield. Neither one of these things come natural to us. I was talking Wednesday night in Bible study uh, about the natural default of humanity. The natural default of human beings is not humble. It's not humility. It's pride. The natural default of human beings is not to love God and to love others. It's like those... Um, what are they on, on Nemo? Seagulls. That's what you told me Wednesday night. Seagulls. What did those seagulls say on the dock? Mine, 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 mine. That's the natural default of humanity. You don't have to teach children to say mine, mine, mine. If you don't believe that, go to our nursery. Go to any nursery in America. Look at how your kids, he touched my stuff. She took my toy. That's the natural default. And if you don't work hard, at bowing to God and yielding to God, then you'll just go your way. And you will live that Adam's family life that the song told us about decades ago. And that's what most people do. They just do what they want to do, say what they want to say, dance how they want to dance, play how they want to play. They just do their own thing. And people have dumbed it down to say, well, I, I'm just keeping it real. I just got to do me. I'm going to just do me. Listen, the world don't need you to do you. And the world doesn't need a piece of your mind. And the world doesn't need a piece of my mind. The world needs to see the blood-bought children of God let the mind of Christ reign in their own thoughts. And we need to be speaking the words that God speaks, thinking the thoughts that God thinks, seeing people as God sees people, and living life on a higher level than the natural. Can five people say amen? But we gotta, to, for that to happen, it takes effort. Say effort. We gotta bow and we gotta yield. And these are not natural things, especially in America. We have, now I still believe, and anybody who's traveled outside of America will say immediately that America's still the best nation in the world. Uh, women can make some complaints about women's rights in America, but America, uh, offers more opportunity to women than any other country in the world. Uh, minorities can still talk about the, 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 the problems in America with race relations and racism. And, but I can promise you, go to another country and you'll come back to America saying, America's still the land of opportunity. And if I do the right thing, good things can happen to me inside this country. But America has offered us some great things um, and that's why 200,000 people crossed the border this la last month and are coming soon to a city near you. Open your eyes. We, we were averaging 180,000. That's 6,000 a day. It's gone up to over 7,000 a day. And that's just those who are being processed and released into America. And, and hear me good. Many of them are COVID positive. And the majority of them are refusing to be vaccinated. Now, so here's the hilarity of it. We, we live in a country where the government tells us that in certain, place, in certain cities already, you can't go to restaurants, bars, movie theaters, or gymnasiums without a vaccination card. But we're letting 200,000 people come into our country every day that many are COVID positive, And the vast majority, upwards of 80%, are saying no. To the vaccine. So that, that's how great America is. People, people want to get into America. So there, there's, there's a lot of good things about America, but obviously there's lots of problems with America too. And one of the problems that's not talked about as Americans is we are a people who value our independence to our own detriment. America was a group started, America was founded by a group of people that said, no, nah, we're not going to do it your way. We'll, we'll pack up our ball. We'll go start our own thing in a different way. And some of that was good. And some things about bre breaking free from tyrannical government is good.
But this spirit of independence that has permeated American thought and American culture has been to our detriment spiritually. What do I mean by that? We don't bow to anyone in America. Americans look, who is he? He's a man just like I'm a man. He put his pants on just like me, one leg at a time. Now, I've already told y'all, don't say that about me. People are like, well, who does Pastor Scott think he is? He's just a man like, uh, like, like I'm a man. He puts his pants on. You don't know how I put my pants on. I'd have told y'all for years. I, I, I may well, I'm not going to share it with you, but I'll give you a close diagram of it. I may well have a suspension mechanism two feet off the ground that suspends my pants and I jump off my bed, boom, into them. Bet you don't put your pants on like that, Mr. Who does he think he is? He, listen, I'm just being funny to try to get you to understand that Americans are proud by nature. They are independent by design, and they value freedom above all else. And that doesn't always work good in the kingdom. We don't know how to bow to people. In Eastern civilizations, when someone important walks in the room, they put their head on the ground. They understand how to operate around royalty. I'll give you an example. I've told it to you before, but it's just the greatest example I've ever heard of how anti-humble Americans are. One year, the NBA champions visited the White House, as NBA champions are prone to do. Sports champions, they go to the White House. They meet the president. Well, on this day, uh, it was in the 90s, and the NBA players were there, coaches were there of the championship team, and they were meeting the president. Well, this day, Prince Charles of England happened to be at the White House. And so they thought, well, you know, the president's not going to stop what he's doing with the prince. We're going to rush y'all in. Y'all going to meet the president. And so they told him, y'all going to But then they had Prince Charles, dude, come and tell the NBA players, okay, uh, I understand that you're Americans. You, 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 you don't, you're not familiar with the customs of England, especially as it relates to royals. And so I just want to cover a few things with you that are, that are not appropriate. When you're in the room with the prince, do not look at him in his face. Divert your eyes to the floor. Everybody's like, are you for real right now? Second thing he said, do not engage him in conversation. Do not begin a conversation with him. And if he speaks to you, keep your response in a one to two word response. Do not try to engage the royal crown prince in a conversation. And about the third thing they went into, all the players decided what? Man, bump that foolishness. I ain't trying to go, don't look him in his eye. Don't touch him. Don't shake his hand. Can't talk to him. Uh, I ain't down with that. Now, do you know why they ain't down with that? Because in America, we don't, we don't naturally learn from childhood how to treat royalty because we're not a nation of royals. We're an independent nation. And that's cool in many ways, but it hurts us in other ways because countries in eastern worlds, they don't have a problem bowing to God because they've been bowing to people that they viewed as higher than them. And in America, we are taught to think, I'm, as well, I'm my own person, self-made person. I, I pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Everything I got, I worked hard for. And we don't understand this bow and yield thing that is not second nature, but first nature to people in Eastern civilization. So it's going to take effort on your part to get into this bowing and to get into this yielding. You got to bow to his authority in your life and you got to yield to his plan in your life so he can work in you. Now, get this example and we'll get out of here and I'll be done with this. You might know the best mechanic in your mind. You might think the, the best mechanic in your mind. I take, when, when my vehicles have to be worked on, I go to a place in Green, Co in Green Cove called Dad's Automotive. Now, this guy in there, he's my age. He grew up in his dad's shop. He's been turning a wrench his whole life. He knows everything about cars. You may think you know a great mechanic and that they're the best mechanic in the city, but until you put your keys in their hands and say, do what, do what you need to do to it, then they're not working on your car. Do you get that? 
I, I just told you I believe Dad's mechanic shop has a great mechanic in it, but he's not working on my car right now because I haven't put my keys in his hands, left my car with him, and said, go ahead, man, do to it what you need to do to it. So let me ask you in that very simplistic way, have you given the keys to your life to God and said, do what you want? Have you, given your, ha, ha, have you yielded to the plan of God in such a way that you can truly say, as Jesus prayed to God, not my will, but your will be done? And let me tell you something. When you start praying that, get ready for hardship because that's going to be tested. That's Jesus didn't say to something very easy, oh, no, no big deal, God, you pick where we're going to eat tonight. It don't matter. Olive Garden out back it's all good. No, he was talking about being beaten. He was talking about being stripped naked and crucified. He was talking about having nails driven into his hands and his feet. And if you ever get to the place where you say, have thine own way, Lord. Some of y'all remember we used to sing that song, have thine own way, Lord. I used to look around and think, do they mean that? I mean, is that, or do you really want God to have his way? Guess what? He might want you to stay up later praying. He might want you to get up earlier to read your Bible. He might want you to give more money than you're comfortable giving. He might want you to, instead of sitting at the house on Friday, come up here and help with food and clothing. He might want you to actually get involved in doing something. Listen, when God starts having his way in your life, there's going to be some human discomfort. Bowing and yielding in itself is meant to be difficult because that tests your sincerity, but we got to bow to his authority. We got to yield. You got to be willing to give him the keys. Uh, speaking of the keys, we don't. Uh, oh, Victor, come on, play, play, play for me while I close this. Uh, uh, a little, a little bit of music. Some of y'all are like Saul. Music soothes the savage beast. I want you to get your mind right as I, as I close this message, and and I want you to understand. Jesus commands us to seek first the kingdom of God. We've talked a little bit about what the kingdom of God is. You've got to start seeking that in your life. You've got to seek a place in your life where God is ruling and God is reigning. You've got to learn how to let God have his way. Some of that's going to take some bowing. Some of that is going to take some yielding. Listen, God knows we have needs. That's the context of the end of the, the chapter in Matthew chapter 6. He said, I know you're worrying about what you're going to eat. Uh, what you're going to wear, how you're going to live. He said, but before you think about all that stuff, seek God first. And he said, and all these things, I'm right here still, all these things, some of y'all got the attention span of a two-year-old. You're just so distracted. Here, here's the thing. You can't live in God's kingdom that distracted. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess Nemo is the quote of the day. Some of y'all are just dories on two feet. And you allow the devil to wreak havoc in your life because you refuse to concentrate and discipline yourself to hear the word of the Lord. Well, I can hear God while looking around and not paying attention. No, you can't. It's time for the body of Christ, the true children of God, to get serious about being serious about God. There's a real world out there where people are dying and going to hell every day. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And they're not going to tell themselves how to find Jesus. And if we don't get serious about seeking God's kingdom first, if we don't get serious about letting God be the one most dominant thing in every aspect of our life, then, then all, all that feigning concern, oh, I'm just praying for my children that they'd come closer to God. I'm just praying for my spouse that they'd be saved. I'm just praying for our country that it turn. All, all, all that supposed concern about God, but, but you're not getting serious about letting God be the one dominant thing in every aspect of your life. That's just all lip service. Because God told us until his children get serious, nothing else is going to happen. He, he, he didn't tell the unsaved politicians to get serious about God. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. This thing is up to those who claim the name of Jesus. And if you claim to be a child of God, I want to tell you something. The theme for our church for 2021, two simple words, well, a contraction and a word, it's time. It's time, sir, ma'am, young person. It's time for you to get serious about yielding to God. 
It's time for you to get serious about bowing to God. It's time for you to get serious about putting God first. Because all that stuff that you're worried about, Jesus said, if you put him first, he'll add all that stuff to your life. You're trying to grab hold of that stuff. If you put God first, he'll just give it to you. But we're so busy yielding to everything but God. We're so busy yielding to the next thing on our calendar. We're so busy yielding and bowing to this world and this world system. You know, the sad reality of it, most men in this room know more about sports than they know about God. And most women in this room have more of their family's birthdays committed to memory than they have books of the Bible committed to memory. It's okay to follow sports. It's the right thing to do to love your family. But Jesus said to put the kingdom of God above all else. He knows you've got needs. He knows, he knows every need that you have. But he still wants to be first in your life. So the question today is, are you willing to let him be first in your life? Oh, well, God is first in my life. Mm. Would he be first if we put a stopwatch on your time you spend with him? Or is that just more flapping your jacks, lip service, talking about stuff, not being about stuff? Is God really first? Is he first in your time? Is he first in your talent? Is he first in your tithe? Does God have first place when it comes to how you really live your life? Or are you just one of those church folk that just love to tell yourself, Oh, God's first place in my life. Now, don't really read the Bible every day, but you watch the news every day. Oh, well, don't really spend much time with God because, you know, I'm busy. Busy doing too much of the wrong stuff and not seeking God first. I'll tell you the truth. God would never lie to you. And he said if you'd seek him first, all those things that you so desperately are trying to grab hold of and make happen, he said he will add that. The addition of the Lord is better than your desperate attempt to grab hold of it. You're, you're so desperately trying to hold your life together. The Bible, the Bible says if, if you really want real life, you've got to give your life away and let God live his life through you. The Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, seeking someone whose heart is loyal to him so that he might show himself strong on their behalf. God wants you to put him first because he wants you to experience the kingdom now. The kingdom is a place where a king is ruling. Is God ruling in your life? Is God ruling in your relationships? Is God ruling in your speech? Is God ruling in your finances? He told us to seek him first above all these other natural things. I want you to surrender to his authority in your life. He's already the Lord. He's already the king. He's already in charge. But are you allowing that to manifest in your life? It's time, believer. It's time for you to set aside everything else so that you can seek him first. We could have an invitation right now, and, and I could say, you know, everybody who's willing to put God first, I want you to come down front and pray with me. And some people would come, some people would stay in their chairs. But it needs to go beyond what we say we'll do in this room to the life that we live outside this room. We're only in this room for a, for a couple hours a week. We live the majority of our life out there. And you can take the kingdom of God with you wherever you go. Whatever you want in life to get better, put God first in that area of your life. Seek Him first above everything. If you're here and you're not saved, you need to seek Him for salvation. The Bible says if you search for Him with your whole heart, you'll find Him. Some of you prayed and asked God to save you before, but it hasn't changed your life. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, they're a new person. Old things are passed away and all things become new. If that hasn't happened in your life, doesn't matter how many aisles you've walked, doesn't matter how many times you prayed to get saved, doesn't matter how many times you've been baptized, uh, you, you're not where you need to be. And if you know you're not where you need to be with God in regard to salvation, you need to seek Him with all your heart. If you're here and you know that you're saved, you know that you know for sure that you're saved. If you are truly saved, I can promise you the God on the inside of you would agree with what I'm telling you right now. It's time for us to be more disciplined in our life. It's time for us to put God first 
in our life. It's time for us to make God bigger in this earth. God wants to use us. That's amazing. He could have chosen better than us. But the Bible says that he chose the lesser things in this life, the foolish things of this life, to confound the wise. God wants to take simple people with limited talent, limited skills, limited ability, and put his ability in us so that the world would see, look at God. He said, we're his hands and his feet. We've got to carry his message to the world. I want you to make your job the kingdom of God. I want you to make your school the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within you. And if you begin to bow to him and yield to him in every area of your life, you will see God show up in a more miraculous way. I'm telling you, the life that most people are living is existing and not living. Jesus said, I came that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Stop existing as a human being, trying to get through today to deal with tomorrow and start living your life on a supernatural spiritual plane of kingdom living because you allow God to rule and to reign in your life and you get involved with what God's involved with. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth. Lord, I pray that you would give us an urgency to seek you more. Give us a passion to put you first. God, we all would say with our mouths that you deserve to be first in our life. God, I pray that you would make that a present reality, God. I pray that your kingdom would be established in our lives, in this church, in the ministries of this church, in this community, and throughout the world. God, I pray that you would glorify yourself in us, by us, and through us. Lord, for each person here who's not saved, God, I pray that you would show them even now their need for salvation. Lord, for each person who is a Christian, God, we repent. Lord, if we would be honest at all, we would admit that we haven't always put you first. God, I pray that you would focus our hearts and our minds, fill us with your spirit, and use us for your glory in Jesus' name. If you love God at all, why don't you put your hands together for the Lord? The Bible says clap your hands, all you people. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.